Welcome to the Chef's Agile Show. Today we have a very, very special personality with us. His name is Farhan. Uh, if in case you haven't heard of him, you're really, really missing out. Uh, he is passionate about being a chef, but at the same time, here's the twist in the story, he's also pursuing his dentistry. With that being said, he has a crazy schedule and is always busy. So without further ado, here's Farhan. How's it going, Farhan? Hey, Farhan. Thanks so much for having me, man. This is really cool. Uh, thanks for reaching out. And, you know, it's really cool just to uh, hopefully sit down and chat with you about this stuff absolutely i i really wanted to take this moment to really thank you for your time i know you always are running around and have a busy schedule between work and studies but thank you so much for this <laughs> yeah man no problem it's it's you know right now it's kind of in between time since um, i'm getting ready to graduate so we're about a week away from graduation so you know it's been crazy ride so far and then uh, my parents recently sold our restaurant. So we had a restaurant in Atlanta, Dava Indian Bistro. Uh, that was sort of my where I got my footing in the restaurant business, helped my parents start that up. And, um, you know, we, we actually recently just sold it and just to work on some other projects. So it's exciting. It's bittersweet. Um, so right now is actually a really good time. So, you know, I've been just sort of laying low, um, focusing on myself and just figuring out what I want to do next. That's fabulous. So tell us, have you always wanted to be a chef? How did you get started with it? Um, actually, no. And, and that's the funny part. I think I just kind of fell into it. And the interesting thing is my parents have always been in the restaurant business. So my dad has had numerous restaurants over the years, um, ranging from, you know, classic Indian restaurants to buffets to actually had a hot wing store at one point. And we had a fast food, couple of fast food places um and that's kind of really where i got started because i would be hanging out in the back and once i got old enough um i helped out where i could so i've always had some sort of food mindset and then um i enjoyed helping my mom at home so you know everyone has to do their part so i would help my mom in the kitchen just cutting vegetables and those are some of my earliest memories from there is always like you know i toyed around with it and learned about it and really learned the science behind cooking i watched a lot of food network as a kid and so I, instead of watching cartoons, I'll be watching recipes and stuff on, on TV. And so that's really where I got to start. It'll be more entertainment than it was actually trying to find it into a, into a profession. But then um, once I got older, I just started practicing it and, and it, it just went from there. I think the biggest validation of it was, you know, at that point, I was just, cooking has always just been a hobby. So it was just always, you know, I'd cook for my friends, my family, and everyone enjoyed it. But again, you know, it's like when you make something for your friend, it's like, oh, yeah, hey, that's good. Um, and I thought people were just being polite. And, you know, my food was like, all right. And then it wasn't until I tried out for MasterChef and, you know, had these judges saying, hey, your food is actually really good. Then I was like, oh, wow, like, you know, maybe there's more to the story. That's awesome. So did you read like, um, instead of storybooks, did you read like recipe books before you went to bed? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't anything like that. But um, I definitely, you know, it was definitely a lot of, you know, just helping out my parents. And I think that's my biggest source of inspiration and biggest source of knowledge is our, my both of my parents are fantastic cooks, and they're both in different ways. My dad's definitely more of like the restaurant style, the grill guy. And my mom really has a number of like just home recipes and stuff that her mom taught her and, you know, just family recipes that have been passed down from generation to generation. And so between both styles, um, it's 
is very unique, right? So, like, I learned the basics of, like, you know, how to make a butter chicken and naan and bread and stuff for my dad or tandoori chicken. And then I learned a bunch of, like, family recipes that have been passed on for generations from my mom. So it, it, it is really nice just to kind of hopefully combine the two, um, as well as, you know, stuff I've learned on my own from either other friends or just from doing my own research and experiments. That's amazing. So you obviously have been on MasterChef. Tell us your experience. How what what was in your mind when you first like? How did you go about applying for it? To like when you were there, what was the experience like? It was actually pretty crazy. So I, I you know I watched MasterChef a number of times prior to appearing on the show, and the way I found out about the casting was one of my friends sent me a link. I was like, hey, you should try out for this. They're gonna be in Chicago. Um, you should just try out and see what happens. So at the time, I was like, okay, yeah, whatever. Like, it was a Saturday. I had nothing to do. Um, so I was like, let me just go try out and see what happens. In my mind, I never thought I would actually make it or, you know, make it any further than I did. Um, just because I was like, you know, I'm just a kid that's in dental school. You know, who am I to do this? And on top of that, I didn't know if the school was going to let me go, even if I made it on the show. So that automatically, I was like really apprehensive about trying it out. And I, I'm glad I did. I brought my Nahari sandwich, which is sort of my signature, one of my signature dishes. So Nahari, for those of you guys that don't know, it's like a traditional North Indian Pakistani stew, usually made from beef or lamb. And um, what I did was take that stew, cook the meat down further, so it's shredded. It's almost like a pulled roast beef consistency or pulled, pulled pork consistency. And um, slapped it between two buns with this, like the little salad that we make um, with onions, peppers, uh, cilantro, lime juice, and um, made that into a sandwich and brought that for the, the judges to try just to get on get onto the show. And so they really loved it. And um, I think they really appreciate the story of, you know, coming up from, you know, my parents came, typical in, immigrant story where they came to America, basically nothing. And um, just to give myself and my siblings uh, a better chance at a higher education. So that story always resonates with me, which is also why I wanted to keep going and pursue my studies. So um, long story short, everything worked out ended up getting really far along on the show and um you know it kind of opened up this whole other avenue for me in terms of career path so um not only am i finishing up school to be a dentist but i'm hopefully trying to figure out a way to pursue also um the the cooking career so whether that be um me being a chef in the kitchen i don't know if that's going to be the case but definitely i want to start showcasing my food in different ways so um and I think I have a unique style that I can bring to uh, American palates. And that's really what I'm trying to showcase nowadays. That's awesome. So tell us, what was your most stressful moment on being on, uh, you know, the show altogether? I think there's one challenge that's the most stressful thing I've ever done in my life. And that was when we did the restaurant takeover. And it was a two Michelin star restaurant. There's three of us in the kitchen. And I kid you not, this restaurant space was so tight. Like it was basically like a two by four foot square and there's three of us cooking, Wow! you know, all these plates of food. It was insane. And not to mention you have Gordon Ramsay yelling at you. You have Aaron Sanchez in the kitchen with you. So like these big dogs in the kitchen and you're just like, holy crap, like what am I doing? <laughs> so that was definitely one of the most stressful experiences I've ever had. But definitely something I can definitely 
go back and talk about at one point. So um, really cool. And overall, I'm super happy that, you know, I even put myself out there to do that experience. Yeah, definitely. So tell us, who was your most favorite judge on the show when you were on it? Ooh, tough question. So, I mean, honestly, um, I'm going to have to give it to Aaron. I mean, partially just because he understands the type of food I make. So he, like, he takes the, the Mexican influence and, and, adapts it to his American roots, and I'm really trying to do the Indian influence and adapt it to my American roots. So um, I think he kind of understands my angle and what I'm trying to do with cuisine. Um, and so I think definitely he was one of my favorites to work with. Um, but my, mad respect to Gordon Ramsay. Like, he's such a thug. Like, watching him cook in real life was just like a dream come true. So is it is it always like he's angry about stuff, or is he like a good person to like approach when he's not no, on no, camera? No, no. He's, he's, he's really cool. And I think, um, you know, he's very down to earth. I think, you know, his him getting heated, you have to give him a reason to be mad. <laughs> yeah, we can understand. There's so much pressure always, especially being on the show and judging such high potential candidates for like a winning position. We can imagine how stressful it is for the people as well as the judges. For sure. So now that, you know, you've been uh, a part of uh, MasterChef now since you've gained all these culinary skills to a great extent, you've also been a part of this organization called uh, Brown in the South, which is actually a collaboration of high potential chefs like uh, Mani Chowan, uh, there's Asha Gomez, there's Chef Merwan, Chef Chetty, all these great people. Like, how did you become a part of it? How did this all start? So yeah, this is actually pretty crazy. So shout out to Asha Gomez. So she's like my chef mom and a huge mentor in my life. Like realistically, like just as much as Master Chef has helped me, I think even more so Asha has really helped me, like really push my and advanced my career. So um, without her, I wouldn't have made these connections that I have. And so I actually reached out to Asha via Instagram because she also lives in Atlanta. Um, and so she actually has been going to my dad's butcher shop for almost 10 years. So wow. the two of them are actually old buddies. And I had, I had no idea about this. And so um, I had my dad make the introduction. And after that, it's just that she tasted my food and she was like, holy crap, like I had no idea, you know, you're, you're becoming a doctor, but you can cook like this. And so she was so impressed with my food. We hung out a couple of times. I cooked for her. And she was so impressed with my food. She actually introduced me. Uh, to the rest of the Brown the South gang. And it was really incredible. It, it was actually about this time last year. And so um, from that initial meeting and then trying my food, uh, they actually invited me out to do one of these Brown the South dinners with them. And so since then, we all have gotten really close. And you know, I, I, I tend to see myself as the, the little brother figure in that whole gang. So it's like all these really established chefs, like Vicious One, uh, uh, James Beard Award for Best Chef South, which is huge, super amazing, and really great for the Indian and um, South Asian communities that are living in the South, and and not only in the South, but across the United States, just to have that level of representation um, at the James Beard Awards. So, you know, being amongst and rubbing elbows with these people is just amazing, and these chefs, um, just watching them work and just seeing the level of precision and, and the, at their craft is just goals for myself to hopefully be at that point one day that's right so if you don't mind telling our listeners the concept of uh the brown in the south like what what is this concept about yeah so brown in the south is really a, a platform to showcase um south asian chefs that 
live in the South. So the big thing is about Southern culture is people see it as fried chicken, black eyed peas, um, collard greens, and red beans and rice. But what they fail to realize is that these peppers and uh, lentils and onion are like, uh, and excuse me, what they fail to realize is is the rice and the beans that they get are cut, they had to come from somewhere and they actually came from Southeast Asia. And so they, the big thing is if you think back far enough and look at the spice trade and, you know, the slaves that were brought in, a lot of these food cultures and food flavors that we attribute as Southern actually came from, you know, East Africa and Southeast Asia. And so what's interesting is not only all these chefs that, you know, live in the South, but also these brown chefs that live in the South that also like embrace the South. And so we tend to show showcase how, you know, we can take these Southern identities and Southern, you know, food styles, but apply it to um, Indian flavors. And so that's kind of a, the theme that we do with Brown the South and all the proceeds actually go to benefit the Southern Foodways Alliance. Wow, that's amazing. So how did you, what influences you to uh, design your part of the menu for this event? Honestly, the inspiration just strikes from nowhere. You know, a lot of the time I look at food memories. So um, what I try to do is, you know, I've grown up in Georgia my whole life. So, you know, I would eat my parents' food at home, but then I would be eating out a lot too. So I got the best of both worlds, if anything. So, you know, I enjoyed my fried chicken just as much as I enjoyed my chole badura, you know. <laughs> and so with that, it's, I try to see, like, okay, where can I draw a similarity? So, for example, um, my family is actually from Gujarat, so northwest part of India. And a uh, favorite snack of a lot of Gujaratis are kamandogla. Yeah. And so it looks like, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with it for our list, for the listeners, like kamandogla is like a steamed chickpea um, cake. Uh, it's not even, yeah, it's kind of like a cake. And so you break off pieces of it or like have square pieces that are like actually temp- topped with a tempered oil that's flavored with chilies, um, black mustard seed, and curry leaf. And so it's just a snack. And the way I describe it to my friends growing up, I was like, oh yeah, it's kind of like cornbread, <laughs> but a little more squishy, right? That's so actually I a great of that memory of like, Oh, yeah, you know, I described it as cornbread. So I was like, why not combine the idea of a common dogla and a cornbread and I made common cornbread. And so I take the same, you know, chickpea flour, add the cornmeal to it, um, and add a little extra leavening so it's kind of fluffy like a, a dogla would be, but it has a little more structure like cornbread. And I also add the tempered oil and stuff on top. So the flavoring is like a, a dogla, but the the texture and the the firmness of it is more like a, a cornbread. And so that's kind of the the style I go for when I try to cook. So not only it, it seems familiar to people that know cornbread, but then it's also familiar to people that know dogla that may not necessarily know cornbread. So I find that middle ground for both types of people. That's sweet. And then that kind of incorporates it into the menu. And then that's how you go about designing your entire uh, menu for the event that's actually amazing yeah so that's that's kind of the inspiration so like the that's what i did for the first brown south the second brown south is actually cool i did uh, a mac and cheese but instead of doing a typical mac and cheese i actually um i use a, a, a curry sauce that my mom makes at home so she makes a chicken out of it so it's it's typically cashew paste uh cilantro uh, uh 
chilies, and then cumin flavored. And so I took that same idea, but instead of adding chicken to the sauce, I just added macaroni noodles. So you get the same velvety texture as you would um, with like a cheese-based sauce, but you get the same the robust flavors of this curry instead. And then I topped it with like a panko. Um, I called it a garlic non-crumble. So I had roasted um, garlic, ghee, and uh, some dried out cilantro. So it actually looked, tasted like a, a, if you crumbled up a garlic naan and dropped it on top of the mac That's and cheese. amazing. <laughs> that's really creative. That's crazy how you can actually incorporate something that's, uh, you know, like a mac and cheese into a dish that you'd completely turn it around, but still keeping something very similar to the base of it. Yeah, exactly. So like for the, for like, let's say my brother or my sister ate the same mac, they would have the food memories of my mom's chicken that she'd make at home, but just in a completely different form factor. And same idea for those that are obviously super familiar with mac and cheese. They're like, okay, this looks the same. It's just green. And then they'll try to, you know, be like, wow, this is something completely different, but in a familiar form factor. And that's awesome. And that is something that we need to like understand that it's not always right to have food the way it is. You know, it's okay to change it up and break some rules to like make something new. Exactly. And I'm definitely okay with stepping on some toes to do that. I know people are probably not happy about me taking these ideas and revamping them or whatever. Uh, but at the same time, if, you know, if no one else does it, then things just stay the same. So I think this is just the next generation of Indian food. And I think that's the way I look at it. And at some point, I don't think you can even call it Indian food anymore because there's only a few places where this evolution can happen. And that's America. You know, like we're a melting pot. And, and that's kind of the idea, right? Where you assimilate into your culture and you bring something to it. So like, I, I love mac and cheese growing up, but hey, I like my take on it a little bit more just because it, it, I brought something from my mom's textbook and added something to it. That's right. And I also feel like Indian food is so like uh, stuck to its traditions that a lot of people, I, I wouldn't call it fear, but they do not like to move away from uh, the roots of it. And it's so important to just venture out to see what's good and what's not. Exactly. And that's the big thing. I think people see it as something so rigid and it's really not. And I think it kind of comes down to even the way you learn Indian food. So, for example, like all these family recipes that my mom has, her mom taught her right and it's not like they wrote it down the recipes it's just that you're it was, a, it was an oral tradition right so like, you watch your mom do it a couple times you understand how much pinches and you know you kind of get a feel for it and that's the same way my parents taught me it's not like they're like hey add one teaspoon of this masala add one teaspoon of that it was more so hey watch me do it and then you could copy it and try it out yourself be a trial and error and I think that's the beauty of the, that style of cuisine, where, you know, my mom and my grandma can make the same dish, but it'll taste differently based on whose hands make it. And so I think that's the beauty, because everyone adds a little something, everyone takes a little bit of something away, and everyone has their own personal take on a very similar story. And I think that's the beauty of this style of cuisine, where not every, every dish is ever the same. That's right. So, how often do uh, the event of Brown in the South take place? So, there's no set time period um, in terms of when we decide to do them. It's typically every couple months. You know, um, I think there's next one's going to be in Asheville in September. I don't have the date right off the top of my head, but it's at the Chow Chow Food Festival in Asheville. 
And so we're all going to get together for that. Um, after that, I'm actually not too sure yet myself. So, again, we, we shoot for every couple months. I think there was two last year. We had one this year and hopefully one more. And if in case people had to purchase tickets, how do they go about with something like this? So if you Google Brown of the South, there's a website. And on the website, it's all the upcoming events. And you guys will be able to purchase tickets. I think the Chow Chow tickets are still available for Astro. And uh, we'll see you there. Well, that's fabulous. So tell us, how. So besides you know, cooking and burning through dentistry books, what do you like to do in your free time? Um, I'm a big music fan, actually. So um, I listen to a lot of music when I'm you know, between studying or even while I'm studying or while I'm cooking. I go to concerts. Um, and then besides that, honestly, just spending time with my friends and family. So I go out to eat a lot. Um, I hang out with my friends or try to travel as much as I can. It's really tough being in school because I'm broke. So not really <laughs> much travel budget <laughs> to, awesome. to go do anything. But, you know, it, it is nice. You know, hopefully that's one of my goals is to travel more because I feel like I get so much inspiration just from eating different types of cultures. And, you know, just, you know, I, I, that's where I dry. I, I think I draw a lot of my inspiration from. That's awesome. So tell us, out of your entire, uh, you know, your mom cooking for you and you cooking for yourself, what's the most favorite dish you've had so far? Ooh, okay. Um, so my mom, I think it has to be my mom's biryani. Oh, yeah. It's one of those things. Yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I don't even try to retreat it because I know I can't do it. And so it's just like, whenever I'm home from Chicago, I, that's one thing she has to always ask me, like, hey, what do you want to make? I'll be like, hey, can you make me some biryani, please? Because I need to have that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So as far as, you know, cooking and dentistry, what's next for you? Like, what do you see yourself doing after you're done with your dentistry? Do you see yourself going back to the kitchen or sticking to opening up a bunch of restaurants together? Well, I think my goal is to definitely work as a dentist. I mean, I worked very hard to get to this point. And to be honest with you, like, I, I know how hard the restaurant industry is. Like, my parents, I've seen them, you know, grind it out, you know, for most of my life. And so I understand the difficulty and how much rigor is involved with the restaurant industry. And so that's why I kind of have steered away from even jumping into it when I had the opportunity even prior to dental school. But... I definitely see myself practicing as a dentist and then figuring out a way to also incorporate my food dreams, whether that be hosting pop-up events. I think that's what's going to happen, you know, in the most near future is just having various pop-up events happen either around Atlanta, Chicago, or even if I can find spaces across the country, just show up for a weekend, do a pop-up and then leave, you know? And I think that gives me the flexibility to do, you know, the cooking in, in my way rather than being tied down to a restaurant. That being said, I am open to potentially opening up my own restaurant at some point, um, but hopefully not any time in the near future. <laughs> if I can get, if I can get the, the cards to line up, then maybe. But that being said, you know, I really do want to focus on the dentistry for now and then figuring out you know, the ultimate dream of the food stuff on the side. That's right. That's amazing. And so if we had to ask you something you should have, you wished you would have known from the start uh, before you started with your dentistry and cooking, what would that have been? Mm, 
That's a good question. I think the the biggest thing I would have told myself is, you know, just to pace yourself. I think, especially nowadays in the age of social media, I think it's very easy to put yourself down, especially if, like, for those listeners that have their own dream of having a side hustle or doing something else besides their day job. I think it's very easy to look at other people and have that keeping up with the Joneses mentality. And, you know, everyone's on their own path. Everyone, you know, has their own way of going about things. So you can't put yourself down if, you know, it takes you five years to get to one point when it may take someone else two years, you know, because you don't know how, what they're doing, how they're working, things like that. So even I'm guilty of that myself, you know, I look at other people, I'm like, man, this is so cool. They made it so far and look at all the stuff they're doing. And then I don't give myself the credit of like, oh, hey, dude, you're in dental school and you're just doing this on the side. You know, you gotta gotta give yourself a reality check every once in a while. Mm -hmm. And I think in terms of mental health and just, you know, keeping yourself sane, that you have to be able to do that. Because otherwise you're just gonna make yourself feel bad and, you know, compare yourself to others. And that's really not a, a good way of going about, you know, chasing your dreams. That's right. That was actually gonna be my last question for you is what what's something that you would wanna tell the young listeners or the young cooks who are wanting to come up in the career or one kind of an advice that you follow that you would tell the listeners? Honestly, Charles, like, I mean, I, I really don't know what to say. I mean, besides just, like, being hunkering down and, you know, just knowing that, you know, just staying focused. Again, you got to know that you're on your own path. So um, I, I constantly have to re- remind myself of that and 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 keep reminding myself, <laughs> remind myself of, of what I what the goals are at the end of the day. And, you know, that's kind of it. So... The biggest advice I can give is just stay true to your dream. And, you know, if sometimes if things aren't working, look at it from a different way. Take a break, come back to it, and, you know, look at it from a different angle. That's amazing. Well, you've been a great inspiration. And, you know, we wish you all the very best and a lot of success for your career as well as your dentistry. And we really hope to see you back in the kitchen. In the meantime, we would love to tell our listeners that please follow Farmo on Instagram. His, his Instagram name is F-A-R-M-O. And since, you know, that Brown in the South, all that money goes into donation, we would really urge you, if in case you are in that area, sign up and go for this event. It's amazing. And I really wanted to take this moment to thank you once again, Farhan, for dedicating this time to the podcast. Hey, man, no, thank you so much for having me and letting me tell my story. You know, I, it, at the end of the day, I, sometimes I have to pinch myself, like, you know, why why am I getting interviewed for stuff like this? I'm just a student going to school and I cook on the side, you know? And so there's a lot of imposter syndrome that happens. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but um, it's basically feeling like you the stuff you do, you don't really deserve it, right? So Yeah. Um, that's another, I guess, advice I'll give to the young listeners. Whatever you get, whatever accolades you get, you've earned it. Don't ever feel like you don't deserve what you're what you're getting, or don't ever let anyone tell you that you don't get what you're deserving. You know, so you work hard for your dreams in whatever capacity you do, and you know, own it and keep moving forward. Thank you very, very much. 
All right. Hey, thank you so much, man. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. All the best to you. Yeah, man. You too.